Matthew chapter 28 and verse number 18. I'm thrilled for all of our guests that are with us this morning. And Brother Danny started calling names, and we all know to never call names because you know what happens when you do. Somebody uh, inevitably gets left out. And so uh, he was mentioning Brother Coffinberry's family being here this morning and missed uh, mentioning the, uh, the Broad Streets being with us today, but we're glad that you are with us today as well from Terre Haute. Amen. Involved in the ministry team there of a great church in Terre Haute, pastored uh, by a wonderful man, a good friend of ours, and we're thankful to have them as guests with us this morning. Matthew chapter 28, I'm just going to read a portion of the 18th verse as Jesus is speaking and he says interesting words because if you read through the entire Gospels and read all of the words that Jesus spoke, he never, he never bragged on himself, but he tried to make clear and make plain the message that the people needed to receive. And he said to them, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. People have always struggled with two things. One, they struggle with who Jesus is, and secondly, they struggle with understanding the power and authority that the name of Jesus really has. And for some, it's somehow locked up. They believe that he's trying to hold it a secret, but he tells them plainly in Matthew 28, 18, all power in heaven and earth is given to me. And so what they believed was a secret was really being revealed right before their very eyes. And so this morning, I want to preach to you for a little while the secret is out. The secret is out. Lord, help us this morning to preach what you've laid upon our heart for this moment. I pray, God, that as we speak this morning, that every heart and every life in this room is impacted and empowered by the presence of God. And Lord, that your word will accomplish the purpose for which you are sending it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Let everyone shout amen. God bless you. You can be seated today. I'm trying to decide if it's easier for me to see through the haze in my glasses or easier to see my screen without my glasses on. When you add 5,000 watts of blue light shining in your eyes, it makes it interesting to say the least. So if I come down with you this morning, it's not because I want to get that close to you. It's that I'm trying to avoid these lights on my far right that are about to blind me this morning. The people in Jesus' day seemed to struggle with the identity of Christ. It was as if they, they thought he was trying to conceal his identity and to keep it a secret from them when actually the opposite was true. Jesus continually tried to explain who he was to them, 
but they struggled to comprehend how God could become man. In the book of John, each of the first ten chapters offer glimpses into the deity of Christ. If you've read through them, you'll recognize what I'm about to say to you today. In John chapter 1, he begins with, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And he goes on about the 13th verse and he says, And that Word became flesh and dwelt among us. They still didn't understand who he was. In John chapter 2, he talks about the temple. He says, destroy this temple, and in three days, I'll raise it up again. They thought he was talking about a literal physical temple. They failed to understand that he was talking about himself. In John the third chapter, a man by the name of Nicodemus comes to Jesus, and he says, Rabbi, I know you're a great teacher sent from God. For no man can do these miracles except God be with him. And he goes on and Jesus finally says to him, Nicodemus, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Nicodemus was confused. How can a man be reborn when he is yet old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb. You can imagine the confusion in Nicodemus's mind when he is trying to be told by Jesus who he really is and what he has to offer, but he, he couldn't comprehend it because the carnal mind struggles to comprehend spiritual things. In John the fourth chapter, he talked about water and he looks at a woman at a well and he said to her, if you knew who it was that asked of you a drink, You would ask of him a drink and he would give you living water. She looked at him and said, you don't even have anything to draw with. For time's sake, I'll spare the entire chapter today. But in John the 10th chapter, they finally, the people were listening to him teach. They come come to him, come around him and say, how long are you going to be with us? Until you tell us who you are. As a matter of fact, the King James Version says it something like this. Tell us plainly. Everybody say plainly. That means in common terms, tell us plainly who you are. And Jesus looks at him and says, I and my Father are one. They pick up stones, start to stone him, start throwing stones at him because they said, he being man is trying to make himself God. When they failed to understand that he was God making himself man. Today you and I We're not struggling this morning to recognize who Jesus is and to understand the deity of Christ. We we have it more clearly in Jesus' day. They they struggled to understand His deity and struggled to, to understand who He was. And it was as if they thought He was holding a secret from Him. How long 
Are you going to be with us until you tell us who you are? They thought it was as if it was a secret that they were that 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 he was keeping from them and Jesus makes it plain and they still did not comprehend it today you and I we, we don't struggle with that issue we know who Jesus is we ought to rejoice because we know who Jesus is but the struggle of the church today is not over the issue of who is Jesus because we understand who Jesus is, but the struggle in the church world today is that we struggle recognizing the kind of power that he really has. And so we say, hey, uh, you know, Lord, if you can, would you do this? And Jesus plainly and clearly tells us, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Look at your neighbor and tell him the secret's out. The secret is out. He's not withholding from us anything about his power, anything about his might, anything about his deity. He wants us to clearly understand. He let the secret out 2,000 years ago and made it very clear if you and I truly could comprehend who he is. If I could persuade you today that God truly has the power to do anything, I believe that miracles would happen in this house before we leave this place today. The issue of why we don't see more miracles than what we see is because people deny God the ability to expose His power because we don't have faith in His power. He can do it for Him and Him, but He can't do it for me. He can heal cancer for that person, God. God, do it for him, but he can't, he can't reign over the issues of our home, of our family, of our addictions. He can do great things for somebody else. We know he can, but we struggle to believe that God can do anything for us. I come here this morning to tell you that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we're able to ask or think. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. When the disciples asked Jesus about a statement that he made about the rich being saved, Jesus says simply, with man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. We notice the same statement is made in Genesis the 18th chapter in verse 14. God is revealing to Abraham that he will be a father at the old age of 100 and Sarah now at the age of 90 laughs about what God says. But God asks of them the rhetorical question, is anything too hard for the Lord? The assumption is that you understand that nothing is too difficult for the Lord. In fact, God waited, it appeared, so that he could make his point very clear to Abraham. He wanted it to be very clear. Can I say to you this morning that our God is the God of impossibilities. These types of statements about the unlimited power of God 
are made throughout the scripture in both the Old and New Testaments. In Psalm 135, it tells us that God does whatever he pleases in the heavens and in the earth and in the seas and in the deeps. In Isaiah, the 43rd chapter, God says, God God acts and nobody can reverse it. In Daniel, the fourth chapter in verse 35, it said that God does whatever he wills. All of these point us to God as the source of unlimited power. In fact, the Bible declares this truth to us to tell us that God alone is all powerful and this should encourage us that if God said it, it will come to pass. This awesome, wonderful, amazing God that you and I serve is worthy of our worship and our praise and our honoring Him by giving Him first place, preeminence, if you will, in our lives. We can see God's power in several ways. First, we can see it in His power to create. Man's ability to create is limited to work with the elements that already exist. But God can create and He doesn't need anything to start with. When God spoke, it was so. So it's no secret that God is a powerful God. That's already out in creation. The secret was out in creation that God could speak and it happened. That's an awesome thing to know. Isaiah the 40th chapter and verse 26 says like this, Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens who created all these. He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name because of his great power and mighty strength, none of them is missing. There are billions, listen, there are billions of of galaxies and stars in the galaxies. We can't even begin to see it. Last week, Spencer walked outside as a project for for an astronomy class that he is in, and he took a time-lapse shot of the heavens, and he came back in showing me uh, the picture that he had taken and and, and the stars, and he says, Dad, you can see the Milky Way. I said, Son, we live in the Milky Way. He said, I know, Dad, but we're in the corner of the Milky Way. You're looking out throughout the rest of the Milky Way. Didn't you know that, Dad? I said, no, I just knew we were in the Milky Way. Didn't know we were in a corner. He took a picture of all these stars, and in the photo that he took, they were too innumerable to be able to count. It was amazing. He said, Dad, and and so he goes and pulls up some things on his computer and begins to show me how that here we are, and he, he points to a little dot on his computer screen. He said, that is the Milky Way galaxy. And then he blows it up and he said, Dad, what I just took is a picture of that dot right here on my screen. Can you really see how big our God really is? I come today to remind you that our very small things, he cares enough about you that the number of the hairs of your head are numbered. He cares enough about creation that he knows whenever every sparrow falls and he cares about the lily of the field. Can I tell you how? 
how much more does he care about you and I and what is going on in our in our life yet in his vastness God is able to speak a world into existence and it is so then God's power is demonstrated by his ability to hold everything together the fact is that God is omnipresent God is everywhere and present at all times and without him everything would cease to be and to exist because he truly is the light of the world and without light nothing can live in Hebrews chapter 1 it tells us that God upholds all things by the word of his power in other words from the sun in its power to shine to bring warmth to the earth to the smallest ant having enough power to climb its ant hill nothing has power that wasn't given to it by the Lord to sustain that power by the spoken word of God we simply need to realize how powerful and how awesome God is. If I could persuade you of this this morning, miracles would happen in the house. If you would recognize the things you're struggling with today, God is not struggling with. If you could imagine that the things we're under the load of today, God is not struggling with the load today. The thing that is holding you bound and captive today, God is not struggling. He can reach down like I swipe the iPad and move to the next page. He can reach down and swipe your life to the next chapter of your life and he cares enough to do it this morning if you'll recognize he has within his fingertips the power to change your life to set you free to turn you around and to get you on the right track oh somebody give God praise this morning the apostle Paul in Ephesians the third chapter He talks about God being able to do exceeding abundantly more than you and I could even ask or think. This means that God is able to do more than you and I could even imagine. It means our finite mind cannot comprehend the unlimited and infinite power of God. But we, that's you and me, we are finite, we are limited to comprehend some things. By the very definition then, we are going, you're going to be all right. It's just a phone going off or an alarm going off or something. Well, let's lift our hands and worship the Lord this morning. That means that God is able to do more than you and I can imagine. For for God is unlimited in power. We, We struggle to comprehend that. Because our power and our strength is finite, meaning there is a limit to it. There's some pretty strong dudes in here this morning. And if I had you come up, we, would, we could discover what your limit is. You can lift and walk around 
Somebody else comes up and they struggle with what you can handle. And boy, that really makes us stick our chest out and walk around. Because we compare ourselves with one another. And with the ability and the power to handle the weight and the load that somebody else can't handle. And we pride ourselves in the fact that we have the ability to overcome things that other people struggle with. And we look and some of us feel inferior because we know somebody else that kicked the addiction that we can't kick. Or, or we look at somebody else that overcame the marital uh, problems that, that we're struggling with. And we look at somebody else and we're constantly comparing ourselves with everybody. But God is looking down at the things that you and I are struggling with. And he says, you know what? I could handle that with the finger of God. I can draw uh, whatever I need to draw into your life. With the breath of God, I can breathe life into a body that is broken, that a doctor says it's beyond my ability. I can't do anything else for you. But the, but, but the Lord can look at that situation and he says that's no problem for me. Cancer be gone. Lupus be gone. Bone degeneration be gone. Pain be gone. Heart can be gone. He can speak it and it will happen because he is infinite in his power. If you could truly understand the things that we struggle with, God is looking at them and he's saying no problem, no problem because not part of the power, not a little bit of the power, but all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. All power to overcome whatever you have in your life. God speaking I I can do it for you. God possesses something that none of the rest of us, no other creature is equal to him. He, he possesses something that you and I could only wish for. He is all powerful. Everybody say all powerful. The secret's out. God's more powerful than you are. The secret's out. You're not as smart as God. And because He is all-powerful and He is infinite in wisdom, He has no equal. He is more powerful. He is above every single power that there is in the universe. That would be something good to understand in a world that is obsessed with demons and witches and warlocks and vampires. They're nothing for God. They're no problem for the Lord. The Lord can speak and they have to flee. Some people in their words, build up the power of the enemy. They would like to make the devil seem as strong as God. But God has no equal. Nobody even comes close to him. 
no equal, nobody close to him. We need to understand that the throne of God is not a two-seated throne. He simply doesn't need to share his glory, his power, or his deity with anybody else. He doesn't need help running the universe. He is God all by himself. He doesn't need your input. He is God all by himself. He doesn't need me to order him around and tell him what to do. I need to recognize that the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. That means God has control of my life. I yield to him and whatever he speaks, that I will do. So the first non-secret that I've reminded you of today is that God is all-powerful. The second non-secret today is that there is no prayer that God cannot answer. If you are able to pray it, God is able to perform it. Isaiah chapter 59 says it like this, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save, neither his ear heavy that he cannot hear. The third thing that this message teaches us is that there is nothing, no force as powerful or greater than God. He has the ability to carry out His purpose with us or without us. The only place that you and I can step in and overshadow the control or the purpose or the power of God is when it comes to the work of God in our personal lives. He made us a little lower than the angels, meaning that the angels, he has charge over the angels in telling them what to do, when to do it, how to do it, it, which includes their actions, uh, their missions, and uh, their praise. He even even identifies, uh, speaks to the the angels, and, and, and the angels respond to what the Lord is saying. Therefore, they are around the throne saying glory and honor and praise and dominion and and authority and strength and power to the Lord because that's what God has positioned them to do. He has placed them there to do that. But with man, he put within man uh, 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 something that is slightly different from the angels and that is he put within man uh, their own will, a self-will, a choice if you please. He placed within man And so the only thing that can override the power of God or the strength of God is when we personally lock God out or block God from doing what he is wanting to do in our personal life. As as, uh, as Gentry's father, I can advise him and I can tell him what he should do or what he shouldn't do, but I don't have the ability to control his emotions and his feelings and control the actions that he's really going to live out. He's going to do exactly what he wants to do. That is the will that God placed within him. I can suggest it. I can try to get him to do it. I can control my own actions but I cannot control the actions of gentry. I'm not responsible for what he may do or say. 
Because God put within him a choice. He placed within him the ability to decide, I'm going to give up control and give it to the Lord and allow God to work through my life or I will push God out or literally tie the hands of God and prevent God from working in my life. Gentry cannot control the work of God in Rick's life or in Amanda's life or in Brother Ron's life. He can only control what God does in his life because he is seeking such who would worship him. He's, he's seeking somebody that by their own will and by their own choice would say, I choose to give God control of my life. I choose to let God help me with this. I choose to give over and surrender to the Lord. You can't surrender for him. He can't surrender to you. God can control everything in the universe that he created. He can speak a lightning bolt into existence. A storm he can cause to cease. Winds and waves he can call into order but the human will he turned over to you and said if you're going to put it into submission it is going to be by your own decision to put your will into submission to God I'm preaching to somebody today that God can control everything in your life if you will turn it over to him but the moment that you say I surrender all I sur the moment you begin to surrender I trust you the hand of the Lord Lord will come on the scene in the middle of your life, reach down to where you are and begin to speak peace over your situation. God has the ability to carry out his purpose. All power, he said, is given unto me in heaven and in earth. We might be tempted to skip that, to, to get to, to what we call the Great Commission. But this statement is so very important because the word authority, the Greek word, exousia, which means authority and power to act. God is not a God just of words. He is a God of action. He not only has the authority to act, but he has the power to perform whatever that you and I release him to perform in our lives. I want you to understand this today. There is no prayer that God cannot answer. There is no problem too difficult for him to solve. There is no need too great for him to supply. There is no passion too strong for him to subdue. There is no power. He is greater than every other power. His purpose will be achieved. The victory for your life and your future is in the hand of the Lord. The third implication of this word means that if God says it, then he has the ability to do it. The very fact that God cannot lie tells me that it is as good as done at the moment that we surrender it to the Lord. So, I know that the victory... 
that has been declared by the word of the Lord will be accomplished in my life if I will surrender my life and my will to Him. This is where the rubber meets the road. The secret is, is that God doesn't have power. The secret that is out today is that God does not lack power. That God has all power and authority. The secret that is out today is that you are the only thing preventing God from controlling and working in your life. So here's where I'm coming from. Don't blame it on the rain. Don't blame it on your upbringing. Don't, bring, don't, don't blame it on the brokenness that you have been through in your life. Don't blame it on the church. Don't blame it on the preacher. Don't blame it on your family. Don't blame it on your friends. You can't blame it on anybody else. As a matter of fact, the scripture says that once you are in the hand of the Lord, that no man can pull you out. And some denominal preachers try to make that as some sort of a, well, you can't not fail God. You can't fall from God. It's a, once you're saved, you're always in the hand of God. No, what that scripture is saying is, is, is that you can't get me out of the hand of God even if you try because when I willfully place myself in the hand of God nobody can get me out no trouble can get me out one writer said for I am persuaded that neither height nor death nor powers nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor any other creature is able to separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus I come this morning to preach to somebody that when you put yourself in the hand of God nobody can pull you out the only way you're going to get out is if you walk out under your own will and your own power but God is still reaching today saying come unto me all ye that are weary and heavy laden I will give you rest come take my yoke upon you for it is easy and light He's not a weak and puny God. He is God Almighty and He is God all by Himself. In Exodus chapter 14, He made a way for Moses when there seemed to be no way. He stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind. That entire night made the sea dry land and the waters divided. In Joshua chapter 3, the scripture says that as they, they that bear the ark came to the Jordan, when the feet of the priests stepped into the Jordan, that the waters rolled back. There's a beautiful story there of faith, of being willing to step into the water. But when you step, when your foot goes down, the Jordan rolls back. Some of us want God to roll it back and pave it with gold and, and push us. Go ahead, cross now. Go ahead. But we've got to have the faith to step in even when it looks like we're going to step into the water. But when your foot goes down, wow, that's dry. And he takes another step. Wow, that's dry all the way across the Jordan River. And the reason is, is because God is willing to perform his plan in your life, but he'll do it through faith. God parted the waters for Moses. He did the same thing for Elijah. And he did it again for Elisha. Their desperation and faith drove them beyond usual means. God made a way out of no way. Moses stretched his hand over the sea. The priests dipped their feet into the brim of the water. 
I came this morning to try to get somebody to understand that when you look around you and you see, well, he did it for them, but I'm not sure if he can do it for me. What he did for others, he can do it for you. God is not withholding from you any good thing. He wants to give you whatever you need today. You need healing in your life. God wants to give you healing in your life. You need deliverance in your life today. God wants to give you deliverance in your life. I want you to know today that if you're facing impossible situations in your life and you can't find a way out, if you're tired and you're weary and, and, and you've, looked to the, you've looked forward and you've looked behind you and you've looked to the left and you look to the right and there's just no way out, I came to preach to you today, there's still a way out because Jesus is your way out. God is able to part the impassable waters in your life. God is still able to make a way when there seems to be no way. God is still able to bring light into your darkness. God has done things in my life over and over and over again. I look back over my life and I see what God has done in my life. There was a season of my life that I battled deeply, deeply with depression. A depression that was so dark as a teenager that I did not know if I was going to live to see the next day. Depression that brought me down to the very depth of life. Struggling, fighting for my very own existence. I could take time this morning to share with you some of the battles and some of the personal struggles. As the enemy set in glee. I could take you to the place, to the point, to the time, to the moment when I went to the Lord in prayer and I said, I've had all of this that I can handle. God, I've got to turn this over to you today. And when I turned it over to him, it was as if the weight of the world was lifted off the shoulders of a teenage boy. And I felt a peace that I had never felt before in my life. Sure, there have been moments and there's been times when the enemy comes and he places his hand on my shoulder and reminds me of the things that I have been through in my past. But when I look away to Jesus, there is a peace that passes all understanding that grabs me and lifts me back up and pulls me back up. I've been sick, very, very sick. I've dealt with pain that I would wish on no one. I recall laying my head on a pillow one night, unable to walk for nearly three months due to the excruciating pain of ruptured disc in my back. And this church right here went to God in prayer on a Sunday night. And when I woke up on Monday morning, I turned and placed my feet on the floor and got up and walked across the room to never go back to that position again. God is able to heal. I've struggled with financial stresses and pressures. I know you, I know none of you know anything about financial pressures. But we've been to the point a time or two when we did not know, literally did not know 
what we were going to do or how we were going to face the next day. And out of nowhere, the Lord reached down his hand and he provided what seemed to be impossible into our lives. Because when I've been blessed beyond measure, I remain faithful to him through the good times. And when I walk through the hard times and the sad times, the Lord said, I'm going to fulfill my word through you. It was David that said, I once was young, and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. And the Lord revealed that to me through a promise in his word. And when I did not know what I could do, it was God that stepped in. I'm preaching to somebody this morning. I, I may not have touched the cord of where you live today, and maybe, maybe I haven't spoken to the loneliness in your life, and maybe I haven't spoken to the storm that rages in your life on a weekly basis, and the mental pressures and the stresses that you go through and and maybe for time's sake I don't have time to get there and talk about everything that you personally may be dealing with today but I just want to tell you that what God did before that he is still able to do it today he's not withholding some secret from you and someday you're going to come to a moment of enlightenment and euphoria is going to come over you and you're going to say ah this is the secret I've been looking for the secret is out today Turn your life to the Lord. He is the answer for the world, and he's still the answer for your life. Stand to your feet with me today. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed in the room. I reach for every person in, the, in this house today that needs to know the Lord in a fresh and a real way, in a powerful way. If you're dealing with sickness in your life, he'll be your healer. If you need salvation today, he'll be your savior. If you need refreshing and renewal today, God will refresh and renew you this morning. I speak to every life in this room. No one's looking around. Nobody's judging you this morning. If you step out from where you are, Sister Cheryl's about to sing softly. And as she begins to sing, these altars are open for you to come this morning and to come to him and bring your life to him. Bring him the, dream, the shattered dreams, the broken things in your life, the pieces. And he'll put them back together in your life. Would you come today? Would you like to pray this morning? Give God a chance in your life. Give God a chance in your life. Oh, yes. May not Jesus is high above all things. My Lord, He's just about There's something about the name, the name of Jesus. Oh, yes. Come on, church. Talk to the Lord now. There's just something about. Come on, lift up your voice. Lift up your voice this morning.
that's it. He hears your prayer today. He hears your prayer today. Church, reach out to the Lord this morning. Let's reach to Him today. Let Him be the Lord of your life today. Oh, there's just something about the name. 